0: Three, two, one. Roll clip. This is what it has come to. Look! Out They're coming back! Come on, move it! Here is where it shall be decided. Here it is. Greetings from the humongous. A world without gas. The Among Us rules the wasteland! I'm gravely disappointed that you wish to take the gasoline out of the wasteland. Defend the fuel.
1: We'll never walk away!
0: Give me the pump, the gasoline, the whole compound. This is a land that prays for a hero.
1: Well,
0: if anyone's gonna get in there, it's gonna be you. This is Mad Max 2. of tomorrow. The host is David Blackband. The show is a dissection of dystopian science fiction for the past 100 years and analyzed through the lens of reality as it exists today. The guest is Jenny Aramono.
1: The movie is Mad Max The Road Warrior. The password is GoJuice. This is so comedy, but I was watching it and I was like, Oh my God, Rick and Morty made fun of this. And so literally mm. that's kind of my frame of reference for Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really fun. I love like action movies from the 80s, like something about mm. the way that they uh, do everything in person because like the CGI technology wasn't there. Mm. Um, I love that. Like when explosions happen, they like legit blew something up. And I like it's just <laughs> like fun to watch like people actually falling off of cars and things rather than like mm-hmm. someone doing it in front of a green screen i thought it was really fun i will say i did not recognize that it was mel gibson until halfway through
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's it, it 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 kind of bumps you when you, you know it's like oh whoa that's that guy <laughs> yeah i was like
1: oh wait he's problematic like literally halfway through i was like that's the problematic <laughs> guy um, yeah
0: yeah, so. it's no fun, it's um it's a bummer. I would say like this is a, a movie that's uh near and dear to my heart. I remember uh the Mad Max franchise. I was introduced to it when I was a kid mm-hmm. and uh I loved it. I was obsessed with um the third the sequel to this is called Beyond Thunderdome. Okay. And I loved that as a kid. That has Tina Turner in it with Mel Gibson.
1: Oh, no and, way.
0: Yeah, it rules. It's <laughs> like they have like a, a big Coliseum and like it's like Mad Max is with a group of kids in the wasteland who, and it's, it it has a lot more connective tissue with, um, Fury road Mm -hmm. in the sense that they're trying to find like an Oasis together with Mad Max. And, uh, but yeah, I I was obsessed with the whole franchise and then the the whole Mel Gibson Ness of it all makes it even more
1: complicated as, as, as time went on as I got older
0: and I realized he, he pretty much sucks.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I also love their version of whatever time this is the Mm -hmm. the 80s ness, but the 80s version of like the future, like an 80s version of a dystopian future, I also thought was so fun because it's still so 80s, like the um, wispy bangs and like a headband. And I'm like, I'm obsessed (laughs) with this. Like, I just, there's something about that's so like fun to watch now.
0: Yeah, and this was uh like you said, like Rick and Morty has uh uh made direct references to it. So it's fun to really check and see how influential this movie was. Like this movie just influenced pop culture and pretty much set the tone for dystopian movies for like the rest of forever, like for since then, since yeah. this movie.
1: I could see that I can see why it was like very I don't know, like, visionary at its time and, like, created a tone that didn't exist mm-hmm. before, um, mm-hmm. which is very cool and, like, hard to do, I think. So, like, it's, like, mm-hmm. the referential move movie, it seems like. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny.
0: I would highly recommend. My favorite is... My favorite out of, of all of them is uh, is Fury Road. It's really cool, just the fact that that could get made in 2015. And yeah. that was, like... And it's like a cool cause I know um I know George Miller, the director, he he's working with um uh, 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 Charlize Theron on mm. a Furiosa spin off movie.
1: Oh, okay. I was like, oh
0: cool, like cause you know, Charlize Theron's one of those movie stars that's tried to have an action vehicle for herself. She's always like gotten some foot in some like Aeon Flux, Atomic Blonde, like yeah. some action like and I'm like and then Mad Max came out and I was like, Oh, whoa, <laughs> this is great she's th- cool she found her lane and immediately she was like shades on I'm doing comedies for the next three years. I know
1: I know she can do it all let's be honest she she's can do very it good all. At all of it yeah I've watched atomic she's blonde really great that, I love really that good. she found
0: her oh sorry yeah, I apologize I, 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 I'm so
1: sorry I, I, I just cut you off no no I didn't say anything important I just said I saw her in atomic blonde and then after that she was in a bunch of comedies <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like what a dream career also she's gorgeous So i'm (laughs) like you can kind of just do it all
0: (laughs) yeah and uh and weirdly i and weirdly mel gibson sort of had that uh strange career so i'm I'm curious what do you know do you know do you know anything about like uh of
1: mel gibson's career trajectory um no i don't know very much about him other than kind of the end
0: (laughs) sure the the shitty stuff and the shitty stuff completely understand. I I only know I only know this because I've paid attention to his in the early 90s my mom had a huge crush on Mel Gibson.
1: Yeah, I get it.
0: <laughs> and up until then he seemed like just a regular movie star that was mm-hmm. like, oh, handsome, good-looking, like ha- you know, had the whole, you know, had the chops. But then like at some point in the mid nineties, he started like having these insane interviews where he just like let it all hang out. And we realized, Oh, this dude's a psycho. Yeah. And it's just been a slow, like downward spiral ever since. And I've, and I'm always fascinated with just the, um, the dystopian idea of celebrity. It just seems Mm -hmm. to be this whole thing that we project onto a lot of people until the cracks start to show. Totally. (laughs) And then, Uh, And it's very funny because the thing I like about the Mad Max movies is you don't hear Mel Gibson speak a lot (laughs) throughout it. He's pretty silent.
1: Yeah, I thought that was so fascinating. I was like, I mean, I once again don't know this character, but I was like, Mm -hmm. he really has very few lines, which is also why I think I didn't realize it was Mel Gibson because he wasn't Mm -hmm. talking that much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's such an interesting like hero to have in a movie. Like, he's not a chatty guy. (laughs)
0: Right, yeah, no, he's not, like, he's not, he's not, like, he's not, like, yelling, like, a derogatory slur, so you can, yeah. I couldn't even imagine it, I didn't even know it was Mel Gibson, he wasn't saying yeah. something
1: terrible. I know, I couldn't put it together.
0: <laughs> he, uh, I, I was also obsessed with his dog, Mad Max has a dog in this movie yeah. that, that, is just like my dog, she's a blue healer.
1: So sweet, I will say, every scene where that dog was supposedly fighting somebody, I was like, no, in no world would that dog be like that, like be murdering
0: nope. people. It's funny you say that because one of the trivia tidbits I found was like the the dog was very friendly.
1: <laughs> yeah, the dog seemed friendly. <laughs> yeah. Like some of the scenes where they was fighting, I was like, this is actually the most unrealistic part of the movie is that this yeah. dog would fight anybody. That dog is sweet as hell. And I can tell <laughs> it's very that dog is very sweet. Apparently, the dog's name
0: was uh, dog. And he was the dog was in love with Bruce Spence, the guy who played the uh, uh, gyro captain, the guy who flew the little helicopter. And all the scenes where they're like fighting over the scarf and stuff are just like, yeah, them just playing around. Yeah. And then just like cool, like great, like editing work where it's just like, okay, they're playing, and now we'll just cut to cut the coverage of of the captain being like, get away. Like, (laughs) great. (laughs) I love that. and it's great it's very inventive i would like it's it's so um so tactilely inventive of just like all the different practical car stunts and stuff yeah. and it uh it feels like uh, if you look at the so this is a sequel the road warrior the first movie is just called mad max okay and that is divorced from a lot of what the franchise has become it was it's more of like a cop drama set in sort of like a dystopian australia of just uh-huh. like, and mel gibson speaks a lot more he has like a family and they get killed by marauders okay and then the movie kind of ends and then it just kind of time jumps into what this world is so it's it. it's sort of this weird it feels like a sort of it's sort of a sequel but then it's also feels like just a more like if I had more money, how would I remake this movie type of thing? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So was this second one, Mad Max two, was it more influential or like successful than the first one then?
0: Yeah. The, the cool thing about the first one was the first one is pretty much just like an independent movie. It was it shot uh-huh. in Australia. Mel Gibson was like a local hire as a kid. And he was like, he's super young, maybe like 21 when he, when he got Mad Max in 1979, and it was like a breakthrough movie for Australian cinema because it was like huge in international markets. Oh, wow! Uh, everywhere okay. except the U.S., which was weird. Uh, like Mad Max didn't quite break through, but because it was distributed by Warner Brothers, all the people at Warner Brothers was like, "Hey, this movie did a lot of money. We should give it a sequel." And then they were like, George Miller was like, "I'd rather kind of remake the first movie." Just with like a lot more like effects and a lot more stunts and a lot more like money behind it, yeah. And and because it didn't cross over, because Mad Max never really crossed over in America, they thought it would be like confusing to call it Mad Max Two,
1: mm. even though it's called
0: Mad Max Two in Australia.
1: Right. So they just re oh. it's like one of
0: those like oh it's it's the war it's the road warrior in the states.
1: I see. Interesting.
0: I did mm. not know that. Yeah, and then and then like Mad Max has been since like sought out afterwards and like sort of been like, oh yeah, it's kind of like a lot more of a police drama than like an action crazy insane stunts movie than the other ones are.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say this is for sure a stunts movie. I felt like it was <laughs> mostly stunts.
0: <laughs> yeah, it feels like a uh, like a stunts you'd see at like a theme park show. Yeah, or exactly. Like, the Mad Max show.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like the car chases were so long. I was like, this must have taken forever to film. (laughs) Film. Like there's so many things that happen and like cars that like explode and break. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like this is like a lot of just practically things that you have to break and build (laughs) and Mm -hmm. shots to get to like, make it make sense.
0: Right. Right. Imagining all the coverage they'd have to get on all those different types of stunts. It's like, Oh my God. So many cars they had to destroy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Even the big explosion, I was like, this is a huge explosion, guys. Like, <laughs> And they got so many shots of it. I was like, I wonder if they only did one. I don't know. I was just so fascinating. It was, it was very cool. Yeah.
0: Folks, I, I am an Australian cattle dog animal trainer, and I'm going to give you a few safety tips on how to deal with this animal on the set of a movie. Number one. These dogs are very friendly. They could not threaten you if they tried. They just wanna play with you all day and all night. Number two, they are heartwarmingly loyal. These animals form strong bonds and have strong, sharp memories. They're pretty much just as smart as very smart babies. Number three, you will fall in love with them. They have very expressive eyes that they use to communicate almost as a form of hypnosis. Uh, I have a, a couple of – so every show I like to list off uh, the crossovers between our world and the Mad Max world to mm-hmm. I- inspire talking points for us to see if we have anything that is disturbing that we want to comment on of the similarities or uh, anything that feels a little bit hopeful for uh, the future to come. So here are the crossovers of the Mad Max world and ours. hmm Motorcycles, a gas crisis, leather daddies, blue heelers, biker gangs, mohawks, hockey gear, ear piercings, guns, crossbows, burning man aesthetics, bad comb overs, marauders, binoculars, telescopes, cute flying caps, bad teeth, murder, boomerangs, explosions, hype men, loudspeakers, oil drums, kids pretending to be dogs, and postcards uh, with photos of beaches.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the prompt is what do we see in terms of um like what what relates to like things that feel relatable now Mm -hmm. um i would say the fight over i guess in this case it was fuel but i think Mm -hmm. in general the fight over resources is so real hundred. I mean, just yeah. like imagining the beginning of COVID when everyone's first instinct was to hoard everything possible. Like, you know, when the stores were empty, I was like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. like human instinct is like to hoard things and to like be concerned with your own survival. Absolutely. And
0: I was thinking of like how uh, there's so many shortages of various resources right now, including yeah. like various hygiene products and baby formula and it's
1: just like oh wow this is already kind of starting it feels like wasn't there also an oil i mean i don't have a car so i never think about like oil Mm. but wasn't there also an actual oil shortage when people were putting um they're going to like gas stations and putting oil like in um or gasoline in like plastic like vats which you're not supposed to do or right. certain types of like things and i was like it... so that's exactly what's actually happening in this movie <laughs> in real yeah. life yeah and it
0: was and it mirrored what was going on in australia and america too in the late 70s early 80s there was a huge uh, oil and gas crisis mm. similar to today yeah uh, so it's very much like uh you know being zeitgeisty for the time, but it, who would have thought we'd swing around back to how it's back to how it was right. in the late seventies, early eighties.
1: Yeah, I think things uh, that will never change. It's like a human instinct. Mm. I think, unfortunately, to
0: ho- to hoard and to yeah, conserve.
1: yeah. Mm. instead of like I don't know, like instead of uh, cons- being willing to work, it's like building factions and then to uh, you know hoard the whatever resources you need to survive individually, mm-hmm. that's like a human instinct, I think. I guess. An oh, absolutely. Instinct.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I agree. It's like everybody's, everybody's trying to survive. And I like, and I, I think it's funny to me with, in terms of dystopian fiction that everybody's need to serve for survival also filters into societal choices like fashion and mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, like just like just, oh, we're going to live in City now. And this is how we all dress. And this is the this is the bartering system. Suddenly, like it makes it makes you think who amongst your friends will suddenly become the survivalist amongst you, like who uh-huh. will show their like abilities to build and
1: stuff. Totally. And I know it's not me.
0: Yeah, no definitely it's not me stuff it's definitely not me i need i i personally need to be pampered and taken care of way more than i thought i needed to before pandemic
1: yeah absolutely like when you watch stuff like this um and you see you know like the scene where i don't know that the bad guys (laughs) show up and then they like are basically like give well we're not going to kill you if you're willing to share your um your fuel with us
0: Mm -hmm. is it gasoline
1: um and yeah it's like they call it go juice but but it's yeah it's gasoline go juice and um and then there's like the people who are like we should just he seems pretty reasonable and there's just no way we can fight them we should just give up Mm -hmm. that's literally me (laughs) i'm like yeah i don't want to fight i'm like pretty weak like i have like you know i don't have that much of a will to like try to survive against these like big guys with their leather um so i'm pretty good just give up that would be me (laughs)
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the guy's name is Humongous. Yeah, I'm not, like what? I'm,
1: I'm not. I, I'm not going anywhere near that. Like, yeah. I have no ability I'm to like, defend myself against them. Like, did you see his abs? He is so <laughs> strong. I'm so weak compared to that. It's
0: you got. It's it takes a lot of will and strength to wear leather in the desert, and it's yes. very like clearly they just don't give a fuck.
1: Yeah, I will say when I saw that guy. God, I can't remember anyone's names. The guy with the mohawk. Yeah. Um, oh, the yeah, mohawk. his name is
0: Um Wes.
1: Yeah, Wes. When mm-hmm. The fact that Wes is in chaps this whole time fighting, <laughs> I was like, that's an uncomfortable choice. Like, let me just say, I don't even like going on a run with a thong on. And so watching with him with like leather chaps, I was like, that man is stronger than any of us could be because he's actively choosing the most uncomfortable thing to wear to do his parkour tricks. His yeah, it fighting. seems...
0: Specifically his brand of fighting style seems like in like cumbersome with those types of pants. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, <laughs> once again, that's that person is stronger than I am because I would be complaining the whole time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just, he's, I mean that, yeah, that the Wes is just hanging ass out there, avenging his lover. Like right. without yeah, a care yeah. in the world. Like he's <laughs> just so, he's just like gung ho. He needs to, he needs to avenge
1: his beautiful lover. Right, right, exactly. I will <laughs> say I wonder for dystopian in their this this dystopian world, it's hard to get a sense of what the value of a human life is because sure. it's like, yeah, his lover died and then he was like so angry and he was like, Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna revenge and then other people in this like little clan would like die or get hurt and it was nothing. And I was like yeah. it's a bit hard to understand like how important what is the state of mind in terms of like what each person's life is worth. Is it worth nothing, oh, or is it, do you actually still care? I felt the same way about the other people, too. I was like, sometimes people would die, and it didn't feel like a big deal, and then sometimes people would die, and it did feel like a big deal. It's like, hmm, hard to tell if we care or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think it plays into that 80s movie thing of, like, well, the bad, the bad guys will laugh if someone gets hurt. Right, right. It's fair deal. But sometimes, yeah, but yeah, like the, but the, but the Wes guy was like, I, like, I do know, my, my love is dead. And just yeah. like, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you. But then like when the little hype man, um, the guy who's like, um, he's like flavor, flavor, the mouth from the South. Like he's just yeah. like, it's, it's the Ayatollah. Yeah. Uh, his name is Toady. I'm looking at the, uh, cause I don't say a lot of the names out loud. So I'm just right. looking at the, at the IMDB, at the, their uh, credits. And the, when he tries to catch the boomerang, his fingers get chopped off like little Vienna sausages and they're all laughing. laughing. They're
1: all <laughs> I know. I was thinking about it. I was like, if I was that guy, which I would, honestly, if I were part of that gang, that would be me, you know, like the hype yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'd be pretty, writing my little spiel. Yeah. Yeah. Figure <laughs> like looking for stage time. Like, okay. Like, let me do my little five minute. set. Um, But like, actually not be that strong. But then if everyone <laughs> yeah. laughed at me, I'd be like, oh, I don't, You know, I'd be like writing in my journal, like my friends in my little marauding (laughs) group, like they make me feel bad.
0: (laughs) Hey guys, I just want to, before I introduce uh, Lord Humongous, I want to address what happened yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It didn't make me feel good. I like a little bit more respect. I do introduce everybody. You I've just been like working a... on
1: standing up for myself, and I know you're humongous and you're stronger than me. And you guys like all like humongous, but I'm also a person with feelings.
0: I'm also a person. I create a lot of like sick call signs for everybody. Yeah. A lot of great
1: names, a lot of nicknames <laughs> that go around. They all come from me. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but I, I also I that would, makes would,
1: sense I'm... that there is like a, a social structure because I was like that also makes sense. Like in a dystopian mm-hmm. world the person who just kills people and is stronger is going to be the important person. The comedian is not important, unfortunately. Right.
0: <laughs>
1: Strongest person is has
0: access to the megaphone.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: George Miller the director, he was a doctor before he like made uh, the first Mad Max movie. He was like a, a like and he looked he was inspired supposedly from working in like ER rooms and just mm. like and seeing like horrendous because another th- interesting thing about Australia was that it has a, a huge their auto crimes were like what gun violence was is here oh, okay. like people would get into like really bad like car accidents or road rage incidents or just oh. like and it's like as a country just the way it's structured just the way it, it's laid out is like all these all these cool cities on the edges but then is like right in the middle is like Harsh desert, harsh right. like nature. And then all of these, you know, people go missing. People like just die from the wilderness and the treacherous parts of it, you know, wild animals and stuff. So it's like this cool sort of modern western feel of just like, okay, it's a guy with no name in the deserts of Australia, and it's just cars. It's like we replaced yeah. cars with horses. And I people see. are still yeah, so it's like, oh, okay, oh, it's like it really gets you into this um. And in Australia at the time, in, like, the 70s, there was a bunch of what's called exploitation movies, uh-huh. which are just, like, like exploiting the the region uh, for horror movies. Uh, and there were lots. And most of them were, like, horror movies that involved big car crashes. Oh. Using the idea of a car crash in, like, horror senses. So, I
1: see. Interesting. So it's
0: was like, oh, this is part of kind of a, a wave of that, that sparks just, like, and it, and, and it just, but it seems, like, wholly unique
1: yeah yeah it does mm. and it it feels very new even though i'm watching this in 2022 but like the sure. you the whole i don't know like everything about it it is very different than like i think an american take on maybe dystopia would be at that time right
0: yeah i feel like an i feel like american takes on dystopia still involved large cities at the time and very little uh like wilderness stuff
1: right right is blade runner how many years after because like Th- that to Blade me Blade Runner comes more...
0: out uh, the year after this
1: movie. Okay, cuz that feels more like cities like, you know, dystopian mm-hmm. in a very different way as this is very, you know, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Lots of dirt, sand. You're right, it's Burning Man vibes. Mm-hmm. Which is very funny because now Burning Man is just a place where very wealthy people try to right. pretend like they're in a like no in the middle of nowhere with no resources. <laughs>
0: Right. Everybody pays like upwards between like five and twelve thousand dollars to get stranded in the desert and build their own structure.
1: But it's like so funny. Like people pay twelve thousand dollars to get a and then they have like their luxury SUV to live in the middle of a desert. But they're like trying to do the opposite of what Mad Max is, is that we're like we believe in bartering and sharing and like no action you know, it's like this place where it's all about sharing and being a mm-hmm. community. It's like nice Mad Max. That's what they're imagining, you know? Yeah.
0: Their Mad Max is all about like Instagram opportunities. And yeah. Like, uh, you know, just like kind of, it's, it's all like influencer stuff and like totally. trying to get what is with the right
1: people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, which is such, such a funny, <laughs> it's so funny that that's the place that we're in. People are like yeah. actively seeking that out. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, there's a, <laughs> There's
0: a fascination with people like wanting to be seen somewhere, which is mm-hmm. also like it, that feels like very opposite from what this movie is and where it's coming from. Like people are act like this movie is made in a time before, obviously, like you know the internet and world surveillance and ev- and the idea of just like people being like watched twenty four seven, right? Wanting that and these and everybody is just living in kind of anonymity. They're all like dressed in giant rags to cover their face from the, you know, from the harsh desert, but also so they're not recognized and they're stealing resources. It's a very much not a like, uh, and yeah, now, now we live in a society where we're like, like, yeah, like you said, like people, people, they just pay so much money to be put in this position where like ostensibly like the Mad Max citizens
1: don't want to be in that position. Right. A hundred percent. (laughs) They're trying to survive. I guess, like that is a uh, good—that's a good way to break down what dystopia looks like in 2022 Mm -hmm. versus the 80s. (laughs) Yeah, and and Blade Runner has aspects of
0: that, or like Minority Report, where you can go in little rooms and live out whatever fantasy you want. Which I Uh feel like, um, if you go down to, like especially in the in in the piers of uh, Brooklyn and Lower Manhattan uh like where all the waterfront is there are those um there are large park-like structures by them to Mm -hmm. make the pier seem more like family friendly i guess yeah so you can like oh you can take the kids to something and all of those feel weirdly like i feel like they're just a a couple shades away or like a couple steps away from like being like giant hollow, like hologram cubes or something, where you could like, well, this is this is the this is the Mad Max cube on Pier right. Forty One, and then this is the, you know, this is this type of like you can just go in like because they're essentially that you little parks with like fake ass ast- like astroturf on them, yeah, and like you know some of I and some one of them is being fitted for um uh, What's that thing where you can like bungee, but you're sitting down and kind of like a harness?
1: Yeah. I don't know what, I've actually never even thought that it has a name. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just know it. I know it from like Coney Island and like amusement
0: yeah. parks or something.
1: Yeah. I've actually, that's so crazy. I've never thought about what you would possibly call that. I would literally mm-hmm. say the same thing. Bungee ride. Fun. Yeah. You're activity. like, you're like, it's
0: like a, it's like a, it's like a bungee diaper you're wearing and you're like yeah. kind of zipping up and down.
1: Yeah. I bet you those, um like, there will soon be cubes where you get to, like, escape and do whatever experience. I mean, we're almost out there with the VR stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, with the Oculus stuff. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, our I feel like so many things right now is societally video game based. And it's, like, yeah. from the perspective of, like, video games anyway, which, like, Yeah, we're we're so close from being like given an Oculus headset, going into a hollow cube, and then just being like, okay, you're you're Mad Max, you're you're wandering through the desert. We need help, and then you just meet all these people, and it's just. But then you like macro out of that, and it's just a single person just like wandering around.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think isn't it interesting that the hero of I think like there is like a I don't know people really love like a lone warrior type of trope mm-hmm. cuz I was literally like he this guy doesn't oh my god what's his name um Mel Gibson's character he doesn't talk that oh, much Oh Max yeah yeah oh my god Max <laughs> It's it's so I funny cuz he never remember no, that No 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 it's it, it's totally fair because he
0: never nobody really says their names ever they just kind of yeah. give other but yeah, it's his I think in the first movie they established his name is Max Rakatansky. But literally everybody just calls him the, the Road Warrior or the Wanderer or yeah. something. Yeah.
1: But I think that's like such a trope that people love. Like mm-hmm. though the the guy on his own. I mean almost always a guy. Guy on his own, mm-hmm. like wandering around, not really like, you know, guard up, um, has been has traumatic experience with losing loved ones <laughs> and then like just trying to survive, but also a good guy underneath it all, you know, oh, absolutely. like he's a hardened good guy. Um, absolutely.
0: He's the projected, uh, male ego of just, yeah. like, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy who doesn't speak a lot. And I also don't hold any attachments. And it's just yeah. like, okay, okay.
1: I know. <laughs> okay. And then at the end when he was like, I'm not going with you, I was like, what point are you proving? <laughs> like go build a community and like, I don't know, talk about your feelings. Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. That's the one, that's the one thing I don't like I, if I was, cause I know like the, the movie ends with like the voiceover and it's revealed. It's the feral kid. It's right. the, like w- little wolf kid. And to me, I would be like, that's not realistic. If I was that feral kid, I'd be like, man, fuck that guy. Yeah. He like was paying attention to me and showing me the music box. And he doesn't even want to hang out with me anymore. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck this guy.
1: Yeah. I, I, I just like, oh, let me just say, I also have thoughts on the feral kid. Sure. Because yes, I please. just didn't understand why he's feral. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, you are raised by humans who all talk. <laughs> normally and have like a community like I was like I don't understand why he's growling because presumably (laughs) these adults who are caring about you are normal adults like they're all just Mm -hmm. talking and like trying to survive and so I didn't quite understand why he was that way
0: Yeah, but but have you ever but I I feel like that was that to me felt like also kind of contemporary with now because I know kids who like you ever meet a kid who just like I'm a I'm a dinosaur
1: today and everybody has to be like, yeah, yeah you are. You are a yeah. dinosaur, buddy." <laughs> so he just was stuck in that like he's like, "I'm a dog." And then he just was yeah, like never I think leaving Yeah. He's just that. going through a phase. <laughs> it's a phase. He was just it's like a in face. his non-speaking, growling phase. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just like I it was like- just so funny. I was like, I, when he did the backflip and he threw the boomerang and he was like growling mm-hmm. and stuff. I was just like, what is this kid? Like he's kind of brilliant, <laughs> but also doesn't speak at all. Hmm.
0: Yeah, he would go to like he would he would go to like a Montessori school like me or something. He yeah, be <laughs> like super gifted.
1: Yeah, totally. Like super,
0: couldn't ever like. It, it could not communicate with other people. He would just growl at other people. But then he'd be like, he would show you like, oh, look at this. I wrote a play. It's like, wait yeah. a
1: second. Yeah. Oh, he like is doing like math equations on the board. And then you get close to yeah. he like barks at you and like tries to kill you. Like <laughs> incredibly brilliant kid. He Yeah. I mean, he can catch a boomerang with his hands. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I know. Also that boomerang was, first of all, it's like Australia, how Australian. Um, Mm -hmm. But also I was like, who made this? Did he make it? This like metal, (laughs) gorgeous boomerang that he can catch, (laughs) but it hurts other people. I don't know. I was like, he's either brilliant or like something else is at play here that I thought was fascinating. When I was a kid and saw this movie,
0: I was obsessed with that kid. I was like, oh, my God, I want to be this feral kid. He can do backflips. He can catch boomerangs. He also had, like, I didn't even uh, clock this when I was younger, but he has, like, like a metal claw glove that he uses to catch
1: the boomerang. Oh, that's how he protects his hand.
0: Yeah, it's like an oyster shucking glove, and like which makes sense of like, oh, that's why uh, the little hype man gets his uh, little sausage fingers right. chopped off. Right, right. Uh, because he doesn't have the oyster glove. This kid's brilliant. He knows, he's like, he's got the dexterity to remember to catch it with that hand all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then okay, apparently he learns how to speak once he's an adult. Actually quite yeah,
0: elegant You see, and it's like, yeah, absolutely. So it's a phase, he learns yeah. how to speak and he has like a beautiful voice, like literally yeah. like this actor is Shakespearean trained or something. Yes.
1: I was like, this kid for some reason is has a, a gorgeous, beautiful voice by the time he's an adult. And he's a leader. I love
0: that. I love that. I love that for him. I love like to think about is it. like, oh remember that kid who's like Ah, 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 yeah yeah and then then i became the leader of the tribe
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) kind of gives us all hope (laughs) yeah number four you will have to
0: employ smart editing tricks to get this dog to look mean this dog always has a big fat smile on his face because he's laughing and having a good time number five this dog loves smelling flowers and he has just discovered bumblebees so he will be curious. Number six, this dog loves saying hello. He loves licking hands, licking faces. He's an affectionate, communicative creature who brings the best out of all of us. I live by myself with 30 of these dogs.
1: I just realized, though, as we're talking, there was no Mm -hmm. love story or, like, love, direct love interest for Max, which I actually Mm -hmm. kind of like. But I'm actually now that I'm thinking about it, surprised by that. I thought they were setting it up to have that one woman, in the mm-hmm. whatever who was who who you know was killed, right,
0: right, in in the a, a part of the resistance. Yeah. Yes,
1: I was. It seemingly it felt like they were maybe setting it up to like possibly be because she was like, um, you know, there was like a moment where she's like, "Sorry, I questioned you," um, mm-hmm. or like your loyalty or whatever, and then there was nothing. Which I kind of like that they don't do that because I feel like. I just expected it to be like a cheesy, like a hot guy and a hot girl are going to kiss at one. Of course, point. <laughs> sure, no,
0: because of the because of the language of movies, you're like, right. you know, it's like it's it's like kind of setting it up. But I also, as a little kid, I appreciated that because I was like, you know, oh, love stories are boring, just go yeah. to the action stuff or whatever. Right. But like as as an adult, I kind of appreciate I appreciate it now, especially because it makes it funnier to me that this is not Max's story. Right. This is not like the lead protagonist story. The, the protagonist that we follow is kind of just like wandering around to other situations that are happening around him. He's just yeah. trying to like go on and you see like a much more interesting
1: story on the side. Totally. Of He's uh, like the least makes interesting it, character in the movie for sure.
0: Yeah. It gives it sort of like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern element of it from like Hamlet and just like, oh yeah, there's there these characters, but like, I mean, the main. I mean, they're just in the like some other person's story. Like, they're yeah, just, they're just wandering around, and I. Yeah. That to me is a really funny idea for uh, the protagonist of a movie. It's just like somebody that wanders into a situation.
1: Yeah, he does seemingly keep wandering into situations. When that's yeah. when he meets the um the helicopter guy, I was mm-hmm. like, he's such a bit, such a much bigger character to the point where every scene is him almost monologuing. Oh yeah. <laughs> where where max is not really saying anything i'm like oh interesting like every scene is just him kind of more like comedic relief like being like you know yes (laughs) like silly goofy yeah
0: he's he's crazy he's just like lost his mind and he's just very and he's just he doesn't really care about anything
1: (laughs) right that's the other thing i was like what a character like he is he built a helicopter that's like He's a smart guy, but he does not come off that way at all when he's talking.
0: (laughs) No, no, it makes him more, it it makes him more mysterious, which like, which plays into like that, um, you know, the, uh, Westerns have that motif of like Mm. the, the, the protagonist with no name, samurai movies have that same motif with, yeah, uh, and like all these like loner movies that are just like about a guy that's just like no no attachments but i will like show a kid kindness at some point just to show him a good guy that's what it is when he did the
1: music box i was like (laughs) oh is this supposed to be his moment to be like he's a softy
0: the fact that he also has a dog Dog, is like yeah yeah he's like okay oh wow okay yeah and you know, for and in a producer's mind, that if like from the movies, from like the the, the production standpoint of the movie, it's just like, okay, yeah, he's got to be. <laughs> women have to love him. Children have to love him. He's got to hit all the quadrants of the audience. Like right. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then this, there's this and then there's like the silly sidekick, who's actually pretty yeah, smart. He's, and yeah. he like is kind of an asshole at the beginning, but then he's he's there for you. Mm-hmm. oh yeah oh. he ends up being the de facto leader yeah actually he has a love story which I thought was kind of thrown in out of nowhere that yeah that felt, that felt like they were just like
0: well we have to have something <laughs> we have yeah. to have something in there that's it's well, like a little bit it's like looks and stuff it was like hmm,
1: hmm. yeah exactly that's like the whole thing and, it, and then it was almost like we need a reason for him to want to help them out you know the mm-hmm. people the resistance and they're like we'll just make him kind of fall in love with the girl immediately <laughs>
0: sure sure yeah uh, it just seems a little bit like it's. It's also like it's also funny because it's like the the people in the resistance uh, uh, faction are a little bit more put together. They have like they they. Uh, it's all still pretty dusty. Yeah. But, like the the gyro captain is like, you know, a a full on steampunk character, mm-hmm. and he has like you know he has gross teeth. Yeah. He's like fully, fully fucking like you know out of the and he's like you know a scavenger. Right, it's just funny that he's also set up as like, but he also has a heart, he has like, he has like feelings.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Also, aesthetically, the way that they separate each little clan mm-hmm. is like so clear, it's so funny. Like, the um, the what do you call it, the resistance, they're all like white, wearing white, <laughs> like kind of like cloth like linens, like kind of normal clothes, normal clothes. Mm -hmm. And then the bad guys are all in leather, which once again, you're in a desert. Like (laughs) why that's the choice? I don't know, but go off. Um, (laughs) And then, and then like the, you know, the kind of loner guys are dressed like the, the, um, what's his name? You already just said it. Sure. Sorry. The The, the guy guy with the helicopter. helicopter. Oh yeah. His name is uh,
0: the the gyro gyro captain.
1: captain. He's just, Mm -hmm. he looks insane. Like he's wearing a trench coat. With, like, <laughs> like, like, short, like, underneath is just, like, really just pieces. And you're just like, what's happening? Also, isn't it so hot? Um, it's so hot. He's wearing a, one of those leather, like, old-timey flying caps with the right. flaps
0: to the ears.
1: Like, nothing really makes sense about his outfit, which I understand is to probably show that he's, like, a quirky guy. He's a scientist. <laughs> I, will, I will say I love, like, this, the quirky guy scientist trope. Like I love that, but she kind of is that, and for this, movie. oh, of course, like the the guy with glasses is a little bit weird, but also yeah. like provides all the tech, yeah. yes, I love that, and I was like, oh, this is what he's fulfilling,
0: mhm, yeah, this is a this is an early twist on that uh trope, which I also appreciate and love and consistently audition for, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and uh speaking of names, there are uh uh, I th- One of my favorite things about dystopian fiction are the names of characters and f- when seeing how name, like how language evolves and how different people's names evolve and the, I, like my favorite trope of that is how, is the thing, is the name that sounds a little like a normal, like a, a regular name, but yeah. just like a little bit off, like Glatt or yeah. like, you know, shamb. Yeah. <laughs> And but the and but in the Mad Max world, it's more relegated to like, um, more like Commedia dell'arte sort of like titles. Yeah, like the Gyro Captain, right? Or Toady.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the fi- Humongous yeah. is so funny. <laughs> the Humongous is great. Like that's something that you would make up in an improv scene. Just like, yeah, the, just like, that's the first thought that pops into your head. And then you're like, we call him that because he's humongous. You know, like, yeah, just like an immediate clear joke. Right, right. And when they uh, said it, yeah, I almost I'm... didn't. I, I couldn't. It was so obvious that I couldn't even wrap my head around it. <laughs> it is funny how, like, yeah, I, I feel like um,
0: the Mad Max is the Mad Max series of movies is good about like or they have a lot of characters like that that have like weird Sort of like tidly names like that, mm-hmm. that have, like or weird, like weird sort of nicknamey things, right? Like, um, like yeah, like the gyro captain. Humongous is hilarious because, like, yeah, it's it's all clearly like, oh, humongous, the guy in the hockey mask that's yeah. yoked with giant, yeah. like leather straps all <laughs> yeah. over, like, and uh, the little guy's toady. In the next movie, uh, there's there are uh, there's a character called Master Blaster, which is two people. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like a giant, a giant yoked guy, also in, le- in leather and metal, who's the blaster, and then uh-huh. a little person who is uh, also in leather and, and big goggles, who's called the master. Wow, <laughs> he's like the genius, and then like it's like oh, his giant friend just I see. Like wails on people, and 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 Mad Max has to fight him. And I was obsessed with that character. I was like, holy shit, it rhymes, <laughs> Blaster.
1: I mean, I, it, there's something so, um, I don't know, like feels good about saying words that rhyme, like master blaster is, it feels good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like really, there's exactly. a, satisfaction it's a, to it. it's a satisfaction to it. There's a satisfaction to it. It's a good thing to hook your
0: audience in, uh, to like how the world works. Okay. Okay. Wow. That must be master blaster. <laughs> totally. What are the other
1: people going to be like? Totally. Um, <laughs> I, I also like the way that they, um, In this movie, I mean, it's just very 80s, like the way that they present like someone dying. I love it. It's like not violent oftentimes, actually, like there is violence in it, but the actual death is often like shoes falling, (laughs) shoes kind of toppling out or like when the dog dies, they don't show it
0: um god bless that that was like the that was also the thing i love about this movie is that there's a lot of violent deaths but they do not show any animal uh like yeah. no violence towards animals which i appreciate
1: but like the scene just where i like like, imply like, it but exactly with the scene where where they're setting the at the beginning when they're like clearly his his wife and his kid mm-hmm. dies and it's just like yes. them like oh ah! and then you see the shoes like and they're <laughs> and an apple like topple over i was like that's about the level i i want <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. It's so funny. I and I love that for 80s effects too, of just like, yeah, it's just like it's a it's a cut at the last second somebody just like tossed like a big head of lettuce at the car or something, and you just see like a bunch of like, you know, whatever, like bits explode. Yeah. Like, yeah, the fingers get crossed and it's like little Vienna sausages.
1: Exactly. It's uh, it's perfect.
0: All of that is all of that is so funny. There's also like a lot of um imagery of there's like like obviously death looms over this world in many ways and there's mm-hmm. a lot of like imagery of crucifying people throughout mm, the whole yeah. movie they like put people on pikes and sticks and drive around them yeah it, it's just so <laughs> intensely like it's so extreme. It's like one of those things that's like, it makes me laugh because it feels like opera. It's like so extreme.
1: Yeah. I was one, I was thinking like, is there a purpose to that other than just being cruel? Like, mm-hmm. is it, is, are these people? Cause you know how they're screaming, like don't shoot. And I was like, are mm-hmm. they part of this resistance group? Like people that they captured it, I guess maybe they don't establish that so maybe I just made that connection to try to explain No, I think you're right. It's I think they want I think they but they
0: uh, want you to infer that but like cuz cuz that cuz they're wearing the same right. uh clothes. So I was like, "Oh yeah, of of course." I was I was like, "Oh yeah, they they were captured." Right. And and but I was also similarly confused of like why did they not want them to shoot? Right.
1: And the resistance people seemingly were not at all deterred or moved by the fact that Mm. there are people attached to the front of their cars. They did not react to that. They were just like, Mm -mm. another day. Another day in this dystopia. This is just, hey, this is another
0: Wednesday. This is just how it is. Exactly. And like, oh, wow. Which is like a very, and like, it, it also speaks to the idea of like, there are like, marauders are a big part of the Mad Max world. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the situation that's going on with the war in the Ukraine right now, there are a lot of marauders on the street. People in roving, driving motorcycle gangs that are uh, attacking people, stealing their, stealing, like just drive, robbing yeah. them off the road, stealing their cars and like doing other terrible things, which feels like, wow, they're already there. They're already at this place.
1: Yeah. Which is terrifying. It is really terrifying. It's like one of those things when you see these movies where you realize it's just like base animal instinct. Like the second Mm -hmm. the social structures that keep us in place are gone. Things get fucked up pretty fast.
0: Yeah. It's scary. It's scary to, uh, To really see what people could be capable of if they are, if their like sense of moral, for lack of a better word, like normalcy is just like gone or like any, if they're, if like suddenly all, if like all bets are off, no rules, like people don't know how to react without their security around them. Right. It's, it gets dicey. It gets really, really scary.
1: Right. There's nothing keeping order at all because that's not tech like natural for. Us to be and nobody
0: is as altruistic or even as like there is no real mad max in in reality. there's no guy that just like kind of there is no uh uh warrior with no name that just wanders into a situation and decides to help everybody like exactly uh, Ferigno's incredible hulk
1: yeah, like yeah, that doesn't exist i mean i i in real life, if there were to be this type of character who just like walks in you know that at the end of it he would like stab everyone in the back <laughs> right, you know what and i just mean take the gas yeah he would take the gas or he would secretly have been like like will switch sides to make profit like i just like think that this this type of like yeah good guy deep down that's a that's an interest that's that's exist. a funny read
0: also of like the idea of just um because that exists also in in our world today of like a guy of like not always a guy but usually uh mm-hmm. someone that is like you know politically very uh you know outspoken and and has like things to say but then oh no something gets revealed about their personal life yeah exactly like
1: <laughs> like and, a I'm Sean like,
0: King or something and just yeah. like oh
1: no yeah and you're like yeah at the end of the day yeah that's that yeah. that is what people do once they get like power or like you know, um, can benefit from it themselves. Um, right. which is why I always, I'm like this type of max guy, a trope, like not real.
0: <laughs> of course. Of course. Cause yeah. And in, in real, in real life, the Mad Max would use the, the, the wolf kid as like a shield to get him out of a situation and yeah. just, like totally like, be, like betray everybody when the chips were down. Totally.
1: But then also if favor. If all of a sudden all these people are like, You're actually great. Like you should lead us. I think he would be like, Okay. Like it's like power yeah. you have all of a sudden, like
0: Absolutely. not being a cult oh, leader, sure, but it yeah. is.
1: Like you're like in charge of a bunch of people and they're gonna mm-hmm. treat you well. Like, yeah, you're gonna stay there.
0: <laughs> and we hope we can find someone that's like a Mad Max who does not say a lot, does the right things yeah. and
1: then and then and then leaves. Exactly. <laughs> How lucky we would be to find a <laughs> max in
0: our lives yeah so uh as we uh wrap up the interview with today's episode i want to uh, ask all the same question i ask all of my guests and i want to think about i want you to think about like what the positives are and the negatives are to this question would you rather live in the mad max world or the world that exists as it, as it does today
1: Um, I would, let me just list the positives. (laughs) The (laughs) Mad Max world. There's a real sense of community, Mm. you know, Mm. like you're really working together to solve a problem, survive. Um, Mm. the problem is survival. Um, you're kind of offline. How nice is that?
0: Mm. You're kind
1: of one with nature. You're really, you know, not worrying about who how much data the government has. I was like reading an article mm. yesterday about how they're like the government has a ton of our um like personal data in a scary right, way. Yeah. Um yeah. so that's nice. But with that said, <laughs> I think I would still live in this world because mm. I am so weak. <laughs> right. Like I I was complaining about the humidity yesterday. And it was <laughs> low 80s Fahrenheit. Like, that's right. not that hot. And I was yeah. in the waiting for the subway station, like, for five minutes. And I was like, I'd rather die. Like, I'm so dramatic. I'm like, I'd rather die than be in this train station for any longer. <laughs> um. So just knowing how fragile I am, I know that in a Mad Max world, I would give up so quickly. Like, unbelievably quickly, I would give up. Yeah. I would side with the bad guy pretty immediately if it meant that it would mean something more comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my moral compass kind of non-existent when <laughs> it becomes that situation. <laughs> I
0: feel similarly. Uh, I, I mean, I'm such a complainer and yeah, it would it like, I, I also similarly complain about like how, how it's been getting and it's, <laughs> And in Mad Max world, it's like, it's, it's 140 in the shade. Yeah. So I'm like, I was like, Oh Christ. And I would also like immediately subjugate myself to humongous. I would be like such a immediately sell out. I would humiliate myself just to survive. I would like, I would try (laughs) I would just be like, you do it. Do whatever you want to me, humongous. Yeah. Just like, let me live and like, let me have my cape. And I'll, I'll just like eat whenever I can. Totally. If my
1: fingers were cut off by Boomerang, I think I would just be like, all right, I think I'm good. I'm going to end it. (laughs) I'm good. Like, I don't need to fight for anything anymore. Like, I'm... That feral kid just chopped off my fingers very easily. I'm done.
0: You can listen to Jenny Arimoto's podcast, Asian Not Asian, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. My theme music was composed by Jim Murtaugh. You can listen to more of his work at soundcloud.com backslash Jim Murtaugh music.